Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And the 1-1 delivery to Ortega is grounded to Goldschmidt. And he throws home. He's going to get the runner in between home and third. Arenado tags him out. And now they've got some other problems on the right side of the infield. They've got a rundown going. And Edmund now throws it to third. Molina has it. Nobody's covering first base. But they still got the guy between second and third. And he's out. It's a double play. Every Cardinal is on the infield right now. All outfielders covering bases. Talk about a team play. And the Cubs just ran themselves out of the bottom of the eighth inning. What a play by Goldschmidt again. And the rest of the Cardinals team. Oh, my. Oh, my, indeed. And I love that highlight. It just makes me happy. So I'm going to play it as much as possible. And I know it makes this man happy. Joining us is Cardinals broadcaster Mike Claiborne as we get ready to start spring training. You know what, Mike? Baseball makes me happy. And it's good to be back. It is good to be back, and it's good to visit with you. And I still laugh at that play. It truly looked like the Keystone Cops. And I remember Tyler O'Neill standing on the end. Oh, he lost Claves momentarily. See it was uh, something I've never seen before, and I'm not sure if I'll see it again. Unbelievable. I mean, really. And the fact that it happened at Wrigley Field and the fact that yeah. it happened against the Cubs. And you're right. That is the best part, I think, is that Tyler O'Neill just kind of wanders up, arms folded, just watching the whole thing. And that would <laughs> that would count as a gold glover part of that play. They were all in it, all the gold glovers. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, it's going to be more incredible, though, to watch uh, things get started later this week. Uh, we'll have games a little earlier. Uh, but, yeah, let's face it, Tom, most of these guys are already in shape and ready to go. They've been working out on their own for quite some time. So it's not like the old days where guys would show up in the rubber suit and have to work themselves into shape. Uh, I think one of the questions, though, with this being a condensed training camp, how are you going to get enough quality innings out of your pitchers? Because I think we've seen the last couple of years, you know, with condensed schedules, you just don't have enough. And pitching is going to be very important in the month of April. Yes, it is. No question about it. I think you and I are going to be walking around some of those backfields trying to see what else is going on out there because there will be a lot of activity for Ollie Marmel and the St. Louis Cardinals. Let me get your impression of Ollie. Uh, you've been around him and you're around this team so much. I, I do have somewhat of a relationship with Ollie, but not quite uh, like some of you who are around the team on an everyday basis. How does he uh, fall into this 
legacy of managers, and he has a big job ahead of him. Well, he does, but you know what? I've, I've known Ali since he was a player, and uh, I've always found to be very well organized, very focused, uh, a guy who really communicates well with players. And I think when you when you look back, him being a, a first base coach for a while, then eventually a bench coach, uh, you know, he's the conduit between player and manager in a lot of those situations. So he understands what what takes place. I, I think the big key for him is because he's put together some spring trainings in the past, which is a very arduous task in its own right. Uh, this is something that won't be too strange to him. Uh, throw in the fact you've got Mike Maddox, who's been around for a while, and the rest of the staff is intact. You bring in Skip Schumacher, Turner Ward, as far as some other faces, some other eyes on the, on the ball club. I think it's going to show up to be a really nice situation for everybody. I agree with you, and it's a good team with a lot of veteran leadership. And you know, one thing I did not talk to John Mosellock about in our visit last hour was the return of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina together one more time. And I know he's going to be asked about it, and I'll ask him about it as the season goes along. But from your perspective, and you follow those two uh, as their Cardinals' career has grown, what a special time! I'd say, above all things, that is what makes me the happiest that a CBA was able to be put together so we could see those two not only play together but chase down a record uh, for starts between pitcher and catcher. You know, I was looking at the calendar saying, all right, we, we they need 20 starts in order to break the record. So if this thing starts to drag out, all of a sudden those starts could be even more impactful and you hope both of them are going to stay healthy long enough for the season, but yeah, I'm looking forward to watching those two work. It's been so much fun for us over the years, and knowing what this means to both of them this year, uh, I don't think they'll leave anything in the closet. I think we'll see everything they have to offer every outing they go out and try and win a ball game. Love Jack Flaherty. He is going to bring it. I know that. I can't wait to see him pitch. The rest of the rotation, Miles Michaelis and Dakota Hudson, we've not seen a lot of, but we know what they can do when they're at their best. And then Steven Matz. Just your overall view of this five-man rotation and maybe who else could, could sneak in there. Well, I like it. Uh, I like that we have a, a proven left-hander in the rotation. Uh, and then there's some guys on the periphery like a Jake Woodford, who I think is somebody they've got to take a long look at. They bring in the uh, gentleman from Detroit uh, who played in Japan the last couple of years. He's going to be in the mix. And there's always a guy that we least expect that starts off in spring training and all of a sudden we look around and say, well, wait a minute, what are we going to do with this guy? And we've seen that so many different years. So there's an X-factor guy that you and I aren't talking about today, but I guarantee by the third, perhaps fourth week of March, we'll be saying to ourselves, what are we going to do with this guy? And they're going to need every arm they can find, Tom. I just really think the way the game is played today uh, you have to have arms to really make sure you can have a season. So there'll be some guys out there that we'll be looking at. And maybe it's Libertor. Who knows? I watched him his first couple of bullpens. And, you know, he's filled out. He looks a lot more impressive size-wise. And I think that now he's heard from everybody and learned from everybody. I think he's, he's ready to go out and prove to everybody that he's a big league pitcher. I love that. What what do you th- what else did you see in minor league camp, Klaibs? What was your impression of Nolan Gorman this time around? Nolan Gorman is another guy that's filled out and really seems like he's got a better understanding of the strike zone. He doesn't have that big long swing that he once had, 
and it seems like he's a guy that doesn't feel like he's got to pull the ball to be effective. Uh, the person who really caught my eye was Jordan Walker. Now, I know he, he's maybe a year or two away, but when he gets here, Tom, and if he stays on track, um, we may enjoy watching him for a long, long time. I mean, he checks a lot of boxes with his speed, his size, his strength. Um, and very seldom do you hear guys talk about, I really want to be better defensively. Everybody these days wants to have a bat in his hand, wants to hit the cage all day. But Jordan Walker was very adamant about making sure that he was good defensively. And because he's such a versatile player, he's going to have to be good maybe at third base, maybe at first base, maybe in the outfield. So he's got a lot of things working for him that I think we're going to all be impressed with as we watch him develop. You uh, answered my question, absolutely. I think that I was wondering where you thought he would be best fit defensively, and you said it, versatile, and he could play all those great positions. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun to watch Jordan Walker develop. Uh, I'm talking to John Mosale. Yeah, go ahead. I I was just going to say, you know, I asked someone, who does he remind you of? And, and and somebody said, yeah, he'll remind you of Jordan Walker. He's going to be a guy in his own situation. But if you're thinking of players, I would say a guy like Chris Bryant would be a guy that would be similar to Walker when it comes with size and his versatility. Uh, although I think maybe Walker may have more upside. But, you know, we'll wait and see. I totally get that. I think that's a good comp, actually. Uh, Klaibs, what about the DH? Now, I will tell you, John Mosellock told us last hour that they are looking around, uh, that they may not have that solution internally, and they, they might find something outside. Of course, he's not going to go beyond that. Uh, he, he won't talk about free agents, but he did mention that they are doing a little shopping there, or at least uh, alluded uh, to that. Where do you see them in the DH, both internally and then... Um, just overall, the view of that position in the lineup could, I mean, that's, that's been something we've been waiting for for a long time with the Cardinals. I think it's a huge advantage for the Cardinals. It, it is, and, and I think that I, I like Mo's approach in acknowledging maybe the answer isn't within the organization. You know, when you look at it, and I'm thinking that our DH really needs to be a left-handed bat. So that puts Lars Newbar in the category. Other than that, I don't think you can hand over a DH role to a person like Nolan Gorman who's never seen a major league pitch in his life. So I, I think you have to kind of look around. Uh, to, to borrow a phrase from Mo, maybe there's some low-hanging fruit there. I'm not sure if you want to get too immersed into the, the Kyle Schwarber derby, although I think he could do a lot of things for you. Uh, he, he may cost a bit, but I'm wondering, Tom, how many of these free agents, with the exception of maybe Korea and a couple other guys near the top, are going to get long-term deals? We may see the, the one and two, perhaps three-year deals, but I think for certain players, I think they may have to get out of line and do this again in a couple of years. So maybe you can get somebody on a short-term basis until a Gorman develops, until some other guys you have in your organization develop. But I think preferably you'd like to have someone from the left side when you look at how the lineup is stacked up today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Who do you think is at the top of this lineup, Claves? When it's all said and done, what's your best option as the leadoff hitter? Well, you know, Tommy Edmond, he, he still gets it done. He gets on base. I, I know that sometimes he may have his slumps, but, you know, Tommy Edmond is, is as smart of a player as you're going to run across. He can steal a base for you. He can go from first to third on a base hit. Uh, he does a little, a lot of little things. And I think as he grows in that role, I think he'll be more effective with respect to an on-base percentage. Um, you know, maybe Harrison Bader is a guy to take a look at. Uh, you know, Bader's kind of made himself into a better hitter. I think that he's a guy that can probably hit you 18 to 20 home runs. But I think if he can cut back on the strikeouts and be a little bit more selective and just put it in play, he can do some things. I, I, I think one of the things about him, though, he's going to have to be a better base dealer. He, I mean, he can run with anybody. But stealing bases and running, you know, that, that sometimes you have to split hairs on that as far as the effectiveness of what both of those elements provide. You're 100% right. It is an art. All we had to do was ask our great friend Lou Brock about that, and I know that Harrison is a student of the game and consulted with Lou for a long time about that, the art of base stealing, no question. Uh, Before we go, just speaking of legends, this will be our first season of broadcasting without Mike Shannon. Uh, How is Mike doing? And just looking forward at your great crew, John Rooney, Ricky Horton, Mike Claiborne, Jim Jackson, the continuity makes us feel good as a radio station and as a radio network, Claves, to be able to hear all your voices. Well, I appreciate you saying it, Tom. As for Mike, uh, it's just like every spring training. He's already in Florida waiting <laughs> on something to happen. Uh, talked to him the other day, and he, you know, he was all fired up and, and waiting to see some Cardinal baseball. And, you know, it's funny because he's kind of like acknowledging, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But knowing Mike, he'll find something that'll keep him busy, but he'll always have an eye on what the Cardinals are going to be doing. I can't wait to catch up with him. And then John, who is going to be ready to roll, and Ricky is really coming to his own as a radio broadcaster. I mean, we loved him as a player and as an ambassador for the team and as a TV personality in studio and in the TV booth, but he'll be spending a lot of radio time with us. And you know how I feel about him as a human being. As a broadcaster, heck, we just played it for you. I mean, that was as good as he was all year, and he had some great moments. Yeah, he really did. And, and you know, the whole season was fun. I, I think that 17 in a row brought out so many plays and things that we'll always remember about that season and certainly in years to come. And to have John and Ricky on a lot of those calls was a lot of fun, and, and I know they got a kick out of it. And, you know, we always have fun with each other away from the ballpark as well. So I'm just looking forward for us all getting in the room along with Jim Jackson and having a good time. And I know Mike will be sticking his head in the door as well. So uh, we're going to have a lot of fun this year. Now, we'll leave it up to the Cardinals to make sure how much fun we have. But I can rest assured that 
Ricky, John, and Jim, and myself, and Mike, we will have a good time no matter what. Well, I've got a flight here shortly this afternoon, so I will be hopping on that, getting down there, and I will see you down in Florida. We'll have a good time and see if we can uh, take this thing to April 7th. We'll have a good time, and I guarantee a good dinner somewhere along the way. Yes, sir. Can't wait for that. Have a great day, Klaibs. Thank you. All right, Tom. Take care. There is Mike Claiborne from the Stiefel Sports Studio, Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. When we come back, Earl Austin Jr., a visit with one of the great minds in basketball, and he breaks down everything that happened yesterday and what's to come on Selection Sunday and for the Mizzou basketball program. And then at 11.45, we talk hockey as we hear from Craig Berube, Robert Thomas, and Jordan Cairo. A Blues win yesterday and another game for them tonight. Our producer is James O'Sullivan. I'm Tom Ackerman. We'll be back with much more coverage Sports on a Sunday Morning right after this. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning from the Stiefel Sports Studio. Tom Ackerman with you and we're joined by Billikens analyst, Billikens Hall of Famer, one of the all-time great broadcasters in this town, and that's Earl Austin Jr., also one of the great uh, writers for the St. Louis American. How are you, Earl? CA, I'm doing great. How about yourselves? I'm doing great. I, you know, it was a tough day yesterday for SLU, but I do want to put it in perspective here in just a minute. But first, let's talk about that game specifically. The Billikens lose 84-69 to Davidson, and it really was a repeat, at least from beyond three. Uh, again, the Wildcats are able to knock down 10 of them this time. Double-digit threes go down Earl against SLU, and they get knocked out of the A-10 tournament. Yeah, they, they – uh, it was – they. It looked like a clinic again, and they they were the best team in our league for a reason. They were fifteen and three in the conference play, and uh, really they were the only team to really handle us. We played a great schedule this year outside of Memphis, that first road game in Memphis. Uh, we played Auburn, we played UAB, we played Boise State. All these teams are you know really good teams, but nobody really handled us from start to finish like Davidson did. I mean, it was a matchup thing, but their size, length bothered us defensively, just their motion, good ball movement. Then when you can shoot the ball, so they got four or five kids that can really shoot that basketball and they move the ball. And uh, I think we just, you know, two tough games, especially that tough grinder against St. Bonaventure didn't have all the juice to, to, to match up uh, against a team of that caliber, especially when they were clicking like they were yesterday. I could see that when you didn't have an offensive rebound in the first half, that's pretty telling. I mean, and salute doesn't yes. get beat on the glass all that often, but you could just tell it's not easy. I mean, even for a team as tough and as, fit and athletic as slew is it's just it's hard to play three straight games yep absolutely and uh like we were right there it was 21 18 gibson had hit a three and i liked where we were and then all of a sudden they they hit four in a row i mean just like that and that's how that game turned and went from three to 15 in a matter of two or three minutes you know to that two three or four possessions and uh that's all it takes and uh you know i guess we all hats off to davidson neck of the team uh to, to watch them they they, we, they showed up twice how good they were yeah they're a heck of a basketball team and, and it's a shame that the atlantic ton doesn't get more teams in because i think it's a really good conference and you know i work with the missouri valley conference a lot and it seems like for years we've been <clears throat> you know howling that they, we don't get enough attention over in the valley now it's the a10 what the heck i mean how, how do these teams not get more attention or all na- nationally it's hard like you said you know for, we've had our we've had our uh our glory days there for a while there. You know, there were times we were getting three, four, five. We got six in one year in 2014. 
And then there's just still more, you know, you see the bigger conferences getting seven, eight, nine. And this year it was, you know, we had good teams, but, you know, our, you know, did, had some results didn't go our way in the, in the, in the non-conference, you know, if we, if we could have closed Auburn out, that would have helped our case in some other games. St. Bonaventure was a top 20 team going in. They had a big early season win, won a tournament, and then uh, kind of faltered in conference play. Dayton is a team that won the Orlando tournament, beat Kansas, put themselves in a pretty good position, but, you know, had some struggles uh, along the way. So, I think, you know, like I said, this is a one. One, if Davidson wins, they're probably the only one. If Richmond were to win, it's a two. But I think uh, it still sets up well because the league is still young. I think most of the top players will be back, uh, you know, I say, you know, unless we lose some top guys to the portal, who knows. But I think Davidson, VCU, the Billikens, Dayton is the young, one of the youngest teams in the country. Uh, I, I think uh, it, it bodes well for, I think, what we can see next year. How good would this slew team be next year? I think a lot depends on a big name, and that would be Javante Perkins to see what he does. But th- it's a good team, isn't it, Earl? I mean, they're going to bring a lot of people back. Yeah, obviously, uh, Javante, you know, you know, who knows how that will turn out. He's, I, I think, arguably the, the best player in the Atlantic 10 Conference. And like say, I salute the guys to win 23 after losing him, you know, before you even play a regular season game. So it, it allowed some guys, to, guys really developed. I mean, really, Yuri Collins became a first-team all-league player and all-defensive team. Gibson Jemerson became one of the premier scorers in the Atlantic 10. Not only as a shooter, he could always shoot, but he became a, a, a three-level scorer. You know, the game that he beat St. Bonaventure with a mid-range jumper. You know, Francis Socorro coming off injuries, sitting out. He, he up into one of the premier bigs in the conference. And then Fred Thatch became one of the best glue guys and an offensive threat. So to see guys develop and really, you know, Jordan Nesbitt is a young, burgeoning talent who you saw flashes of his freshman year. So it's a good nucleus, got a good recruiting class coming in and some good stability uh, in the program coming off a, a season of 23 wins and hopefully we think postseason. So uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about the future. You gotta knock on wood. You just you know you hope you want you want to keep your nucleus together, and then if we do, we're, I think we'll be uh, in good shape. Yeah, I do too. I think it's a really good team, a really tough team that still has basketball ahead of it here. So with the NCAA tournament out of their picture, now you focus on the NIT. That announcement's at 8 o'clock tonight after CBS and everybody else finishes talking about March Madness. And the NIT field should be pretty good. And, you know, if if SLU does accept it, which I would imagine they would, uh, you make a little run and you finish strong. They could do that. Absolutely. And I think the postseason play is a good reward for this team. I know when Javante was lost for the season, a lot of heads went down. My head was down. I almost started crying. I saw him lip off that floor. I thought, oh, my God, our season could be ruined. Yeah. But I think these guys banded together. And not only did we lose Javante, we lost our assistant coach, Ford, at 29 years old, who tragically died during the offseason. So it was just a really – you lose, you lose your assistant coach at 29, and then you lose your best player to an ACL. So it was a real tough time there. And to see these young men rally together and, and put together a really strong season, you know, 12, 8, 10 wins and 23 total, uh, and get to the conference semifinals and kind of and beat a good state Bonaventure team. I think being able to play again in postseason is a, is a good reward for these young men. 
Travis Ford has been coaching for a long time. He really has. And, uh, you know, I I just never assume anything when it comes to coaches. These coaches come and go, but I really respect him. He has set his roots here in St. Louis, and he loves the program, and he's built something special. And uh, it's just getting over that hump of getting this team back to the NCAA tournament and being in the upper echelon of the A-10, which he is, uh, but but getting there is still a goal of his. I, but one thing that he has done is I think he has built, I don't know that he loves the word culture, but he has set a standard here in St. Louis as to what slew basketball should be. And that whole feeling of the city's team, the city's arena, he's getting there. He really is, isn't he, Earl? Absolutely, and uh, we'll we'll get to the NCAA tournament. I think we'll win games. I think the future is bright. I think what Travis has done, two things. First of all, he's really done a great job locally. And you look at Jordan Goodwin, you look at Yuri Collins, TJ Hargrove, Javante Perkins, Fred Thatch, just a couple hours down the road, you know, uh, uh, Jordan Nesbitt, you know, just, you know, you're getting, you, 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 are a local kid, you, you got a chance to play big time basketball right here in your backyard, you know, Kellen Thames and Nick Kramer waiting in the wings coming in next year. The other main thing he's done is continuity within a five, six-year stretch. Usually what has happened, you followed our program. We have had some beautiful runs with great recruit, with great classes, and go two, three tournaments, and then there's a drop-off. And then we got to build right back together, and then we do it again. Then we got to build it back up, you know, and start all over again. What Travis has done is he's been able to stack good recruiting classes on top of each other, so there really hasn't been a drop-off. Example, we won the tournament and went to the NCAA in 2019, and that was with Javon Bash, Tremaine Isbell, and a great senior class, fifth year senior. You lose five guys. Normally there's a drop-off, and then but then they leave, and then Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French move into the prime role. They become the stewards of the program, and with Javante Perkins coming in, and then they have success, and then they move on, Though they graduate, and then you lose Javante by injury, and then but then you got Gary Collins, Fred Thatch, uh, uh, Gibson, Jimerson, T.J. Hargrove. You got next group, uh, and you're still winning 23. You're still going to postseason, so there really hasn't been any visible drop off. And I think that's the key to having a program. It's it's becoming sustainable, even when guys move on. Guys who are in the program are waiting to step in and become prime to, in the prime time roles. So it, it sooner or later, then it, it'll translate into uh, moving further and winning games. But I think that's the more, most important part there. We like to say a culture of winning, of uh, you know playing hard, playing defense, rebounding, but just he, he's recruiting well too, and uh, guys who are uh, playing at a high level consistently. I and mean, that that's what that's what I'm pleased with the most. Conzo Martin, one of our favorite people. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. That uh, I don't know anyone that doesn't like Conzo Martin. This one of the, this area's best basketball products, but he just could not get it done at Missouri. Earl, just how do you evaluate the situation in that program right now? Yeah, it's tough, man. You know, Conzo's one of my favorite guys. It wasn't a good week for me. I lost Conzo. I lost Bruce Weber, two guys I love very much in the coaching ranks, and they've been successful. But that's the realities of uh, of college uh, basketball. And it's tough, too, because Missouri was in the NCAA tournament last year. They were ranked as high as 10 uh, last year. And then, uh, you know, just 
you know, and then then for what and then whatever reasons things didn't didn't go right. And you know, I I, I think uh, you know, I think the world of him, and hopefully, I, I wish the best for him uh, as well. I think I think what ultimately hurt. I think that that year not having Michael Porter Jr. to the injury, that's a team that's potential. You know, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight type of team, and then but they had a good season. And then the following year, Jonte gets hurt, you know. So those were some years where you really, where Missouri could really, really, and they really had great, great seasons. And then that would have been even a better honeymoon period, I think, and may not put them even out there even more. But uh, like I said, I, I hope the best for him, and I, I think he'll bounce back. Yeah, this coaching search there, that's going to be wide open. I have no idea what they're going to do. Me neither. We need, neither. We need more information from them first, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, you know, let's look at Illinois for a minute. Now, they lost to my alma mater, Indiana, but we know how good Illinois is after an early exit from the Big Ten tournament. And then once you answer that, you know, where do you see some of the top seeds falling out? Illinois is not going to get a one. Uh, but they're going to get pretty high up there, I would imagine. And how do you see later today shaking out in Selection Sunday? Tough question to answer, I know, because we're not really totally complete here, but we have an idea. Yeah, they should get a solid seat as the Big Ten champions, no doubt about it. Uh, They got the elements. They got great shooting. They got point guard play, and they got an outstanding big man, you know, and Kofi. So, you know, depending on the matchups, you know, obviously a lot of it is matchups, but they got the elements to make a run and to, you know, several Big Ten teams. I mean, it's just going to be a, I mean, well, we saw that one day a couple of weeks ago when seven, six top teams, ten teams lost on the same day and, and, set, and nine of the top 11 or something like that. That just lets you know how volatile this thing is going to be. And you throw in the element of uh, the, the, the mid-major teams who are, old grizzled veterans and then you throw in the single elimination it's just going to be hard to win a game in the ncaa tournament you know much less about four or five or six of teams have aspirations of getting to that you know that final four so it, it, it's just they it's going to be great it's going to be fun you look at virginia tech what they did over four days to win that ACC tournament and things like that pop up there's going to be a scene like that that's going to do that in the NCAA tournament, a team that's a middle seed, maybe a 10, that's just going to really get hot for a couple of weeks and find themselves in a position to to make a run. Absolutely. It's going to be very exciting. By the way, how about UMSL? Uh, The Tritons uh, go on to the regional championship in the Midwest. They play in the Midwest region championship on Monday. They'll play Hillsdale. Uh, Earl, what an exciting time for local basketball. Outstanding, Bob. They're doing a great job over there. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Uh, they just play great defense and uh, to win the GLVC tournament last week was a huge step and now to take it two steps further and now you're uh, one uh, you know one game away from uh, getting to the Elite Eight and uh, it just you know he's just done a tremendous job he's just been a great coach wherever he's been but he's really uh, done a hell of a job at that at that Division Two level was at Central Missouri State uh, and now at Umsville uh, you know fantastic and they're they're making history. I'll always love Bob Sunvold. He took care of me when I was a sixth grader at Norm Stewart's basketball <laughs> camp. I'll tell you that story sometime. Uh, he, he took great, great care of me when I needed it. Uh, Earl, I really appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. All the best. Uh, let's hear some great broadcasts coming up. And thank you for the time. Enjoy Selection Sunday. Thank you, Tom. Always do. Thank you. Earl Austin Jr. with us on KMOX. We'll be back. We'll take a look at the Blues right after this from the Stiefel Sports Studio on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. Let's go right to Blues coach Craig Berube. Sports on a Sunday morning continues after a Blues 7-4 win over Nashville yesterday. You guys let a 3-0 lead get away, but it showed, I guess, a good strength there to come back. And yeah, in this league, you know, that happens. But, you know, like, no lead, no lead is safe. Um, I don't think we, you know, really did let our foot off the gas like uh, it's a tough goal to give up at the at the end of the first period like that kind of a nothing play it shouldn't happen you know um we got veteran guys out there like it just shouldn't happen but hey things happen in the game we kept i thought we kept um, our focus and we kept playing you know so it was a good job in them guys and um it's a good hockey game. I, I told you guys it was going to be a good, a good hockey game. They're a good team. They're, uh, they play a hard game, and I thought we, we matched their competitiveness tonight, and that's important. You have to do that, especially here in this rink. You got the power play, a couple goals there, and the penalty kill got yeah. some, some stuff. Yeah, I mean, we let the one goal and the PK in there. Um, kind of a tough play. It was a good play by them. Uh, but, uh, you know, overall, the special teams were a pretty good job tonight. Well... What's your reaction to watching a play like that? Kairou taking the puck to the net, the patience gives it to him. Yeah, I mean, those guys, like, they're, they're elite. They're elite players. You know, Junior's in there giving it to him, and he has done that. Huso throughout the game was sharp again in the third period. A lot of big saves. Yeah, I thought so. He hung in there and uh, made some big saves in the third period when we needed him. We talked before the game about putting another good game you know, behind that Ranger game. He's- Feel like you did that, obviously. I do. Uh, again, it's for the Toad score this team in the first period in their rink. Um, if you look at their stats, they're a good t- first period team. They outscore teams and they don't give up much in the first period because they come with a lot of pressure right away and they're a heavy four check team. But we did a good job in the first period. We we made plays, we handled their four check, and um, we put pucks deep and went to work. And the fourth, our fourth line tonight was outstanding. Outstanding! I can't say enough about them. What they did, their forward check and their heaviness in the offensive zone. And I know they got scored on the one time, but overall they had a heck of a game. You see better starts from the team now. Maybe not the first more few minutes. Yeah. Yes, more direct, and um, we're getting more pucks to the net early on in the game, which is important. 
Thanks, guys. That's Coach Craig Berube after a 7-4 win over the Nashville Predators yesterday. The Blues, the second-place team now in the Central Division, still with a sizable lead over Minnesota. And the rest of the field kind of chasing them down right now. So a very important time for the Blues, who have 75 points. Minnesota, 72. Nashville, 70. And Dallas, 67. The Blues, in that 7-4 win, get a very nice game out of Jordan Cairo. Cairo was all over the place yesterday and has shown his ability to deliver in big situations. Cairo with three assists yesterday in 15 minutes of ice time. Here he is. Jordan, on, that, uh, on the game-winning goal there, what, what did you see? How was the play taking shape? Um, you know, it was a great play by Vladi in the D zone to you know, be aware that I was, I was breaking there. And, you know, I made a nice chip to me. And, you know, I kind of just cut to the middle a bit, and you know, I saw Tom open up there, so and I thought he'd have a good, good chance to score. So, you were gonna pass the whole time. Did you know you were gonna pass the whole time? Um, I mean, usually, you know, me and Tom always like to look, to look for each other first. So, yeah, just that's just how it worked out. You didn't have, at least in the first two periods, any shot attempts. Was it tough to get for you to get stuff going? Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes you know, sometimes it happens. You know, you don't, you don't really get many chances to, to even shoot. So, uh, sometimes you gotta be a playmaker. So. We talked about this before, but your patience with the puck. I mean, you do a lot of good things, but how are you able to hold on to the puck so long? It just looks like the game stops for a little bit. Um, you know, I think that's just a, you know, a confidence right, thing, and you know, just being confident with the puck, and you know, knowing what you can do with it. So, yeah. Is that five assists in the last two games? You three tonight. Did you have two against the Rangers? Uh, yeah. As you shift into the playmaker role now, is that? Um, like I said, you know, it's just. Whoever's open on our line, it's just whoever you know. Like I said, it's just whoever's open gets the shot, and you know we're all we're all unselfish, and we we always look for each other. So, yeah. Is it tough have you guys had taken a three-zero lead and having them get even? Um, yeah, I mean you know Nashville's a good team. You know they they battle hard, so they kind of they battled back there. But you know we made a great job on the road to come out with that win. Was it to put another good game after that Ranger game to kind of show that it was more than just one game? For sure. I mean, you know, obviously we lost the past couple games before that, so you know we want we want to kind of trend and start trending in the right direction before playoffs here. So you know, this is a good two games for us. Play Huso today once again to kept you guys yeah. in. Yeah, you made some amazing saves. You know, just like last game, that one save you made today. You know, in the in the third period, I think it was, and when it was four four, you know, it was a hell of a save. So we definitely wouldn't have won without him. That's Jordan Cairo, the emerging superstar in the NHL. And what can you say about Robert Thomas? My goodness, what a player he's become. Thomas, the third star yesterday, two goals and two assists, a plus-two rating for Thomas. He has been on fire. He scored his 11th goal of the season, a beautiful angle on the power play to give the Blues a 3-0 lead late in the first period. And he scored again to give the Blues a 5-4 lead, his 12th of the season, that was late in the third period. Here he is. That uh, very nice one there on, his, on the goal. Yeah, I mean, uh, keep walking. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a big-time player, and he makes a big-time play at the end. Uh, you know, we're starting to kind of find each other, and, uh, you know, I knew the whole way he was looking to pass. So uh, what a play by him, and that's a huge goal for our team. Uh, I think it's just you know the more you play with him, the more you watch him play, you kind of kind of see what he looks for, and I think that's that's the case. But you know, in that case, also we set being... this up here. We need to move this setup next time. <laughs> that, that the defense, because of Jordan Cairo, that they would be looking at him for a shot, and that would 
leave you with a chance on the other side? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, it was just great play all around. I mean, Vladdy makes a big play in the D zone. Doesn't start without him. That's two games in a row that, you know, we've scored because of, because of him in the D zone. So um, a lot of credit to those two guys. Back-to-back -back two goal games, you know, shooting the puck a lot. I'm sure you're tired of hearing people talk about shooting it. Yeah, just keep my eyes closed. <laughs> Where are you? I mean, you've four goals in the past two games. You've got to be feeling good out there when it comes to shooting the puck. Yeah, that's nice. Um, but, I mean, it's it's more about the team. I mean, we've had two big wins to get back on track, and, you know, this is a huge divisional game. So um, that, that's more important. After you guys lose the 3-0 lead, what's the... What's the feeling there on the team? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're a great team. This is a hard building to play in. The fans are, fans are energetic. They play hard, and um, we knew it was going to be a close one, no matter you know how it started, or or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, obviously you don't want to lose a three nothing lead, but uh, you know we found a way to battle back and, and get the two points. I mean, there's many. Uh, you know, he's fighting traffic, a lot of tips. He, he made big saves on rebounds and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, he's been he's been great the last two games and all season. In the third period, it seems like there were just plenty of chances that Nashville had to maybe take the lead there, and he kept you guys in it. Yeah, you know, it seemed like they had a little bit of the momentum there in the second and, and at the start of the third, and, um, you know, that's what you need from your goalies, and our goalies have done that all year, and, uh, you know, making those saves when we need them the most, and, uh, we feed off that. You have two games. You put back, back-to-back -back games together. You feel really good about your game uh, after that stretch prior to. Yeah, um, starting, starting to kind of get going again. Uh, yeah, didn't like that little stretch I had, but um, same, same thing goes for the team. You know, we're starting to get back on track, and every game's been a little bit tighter, and, and we've stepped up to the challenge. So that's the most important thing. It's like the start you guys got off today. Maybe not the the first five minutes or so, but after that, the first period. A solid one. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to be the same kind of case as last game where, uh, you know, they came out and, and took it to us for the first little bit and, and Billy makes some big saves and, uh, you know, our power play gets us one and, and then we keep rolling after that. So um, that's pretty much it. Both the power play and penalty kill had been struggling of late, but you got a big penalty kill there at the start to keep you in and then the power play comes through a couple times. Yeah, I think, you know, the closer you get to playoffs and down that stretch, uh, you know, games get really tight and, and special teams are often the difference. So, um, yeah, it was nice to get our power play a couple goals and, um, you know, our PK gave up gave up one, maybe two, not sure. But, uh, you know, we just got to keep on working on that. Enjoy your 16 hours or whatever it is in Nashville here. Not a very long trip. No, I know. I know, short one. But, um, yeah, came for the two points and we got them. They did, and they have second place all to themselves in the Central Division. After winning back-to-back -back games, the Blues have scored 13 goals in their last two games. They beat the Rangers 6-2, to and yesterday beat the Predators 7-4, to and now they play again. 6 o'clock faceoff for the Blues at Enterprise Center tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. The Blues, again, with 75 points, have a three-point lead over Minnesota for second place in the Central Division. Our thanks there to the St. Louis Blues for Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, and Craig Berube. I'm Tom Ackerman. Thanks to producer James O'Sullivan from the Stiefel Sports Studio. This is Sports on a Sunday Morning. We'll talk to you from Jupiter on KMOX. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.